Daniel chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, uh, hear the word of God. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit's troubled to know the dream. And the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, and from here on in the book of Daniel, it's in uh, Aramaic instead of Hebrew. Uh, Interesting. They said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. King answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time um, and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we'll show its interpretation. King answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make known the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You've agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me uh, till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can tell me its interpretation. Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out. And the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? And Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house, made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of of God forever and ever, to whom belongs wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness. And the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might. 
and have now made known to me what we ask of you, for have you, made, you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. And Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and thus said to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in your bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in your bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You ready to know what the dream is now? It's been leading you on all the way along. Now you get to find out the dream and what it means. Verse 21, You saw, O king, and behold, a great image or statue, Great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, A stone cut out by no human hand. A stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron uh, breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with the soft clay. 
And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with marriage and with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand and that it broke into pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. Then Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, and the chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king, And he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever, even that it will among us. It's a big passage uh, to read, a big section of Scripture. Uh, Hopefully it draws you in some. Uh, But but since that's a large section to read, let me focus our attention on just uh, just two words. You see them at the middle, kind of in the middle of the passage. Uh, If you look over at verse 20, uh, this is as Daniel has found out what this dream is and what his interpretation is, right? He prayed and God revealed it to him. And then Daniel exclaims in prayer, praising God. Uh, And he says, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong our wisdom and might. Those are the two words uh, that I want us to focus on as we go through this passage. Our wisdom and might, or I'll usually say power. Wisdom uh, and power. Uh, Even just after this, it says um, in verse 23, Daniel says, you've given me wisdom and might. Daniel's God's servants is resting in God's wisdom and power And that's spreading out uh, from that. Wisdom and power, knowing and doing, uh, understanding uh, and acting, however you want to look at it, insight uh, and ability. And what it says is that these belong to God. Wisdom and power are God's. They belong to him. Uh, Even where others have these skills, they come from God. Even as Daniel has these, they come from God. They belong to God. Now, as you start to get the context of this passage, what's going on in history, what this dream is about, and what God is revealing, uh, you realize that a, that a bigger claim could hardly be made at this point um, than what's being said about wisdom and power. It's saying that, that all, all wisdom and all power are ultimately derived from God, dependent on God. 
So, so it's a claim saying that, that it's all from God, leaving, leaving everyone and everything ultimately dependent on God. That's what the passage is getting at. Um, now that may be a, a bit unsettling. Uh, it can be, uh, it can be a bit, bit disconcerting uh, sometimes. It may not be something that makes you uh, very comfortable uh, to say that maybe we're not in control uh, of ourselves, not in control of our own destiny, not in control of, the, of what choices we even get to make as things lay out ahead of us. Uh, it can be kind of shake you up a little bit that you're not able to predict what's coming. What's going to happen next month and next year and the course of your life, the way you're planning it? Uh, that, that something can, can not go right with your plan to succeed, uh, your plan for how you like to go or, or whatever. It's disconcerting to think that wisdom and power, ultimately all, it's dependent on God. Everyone's dependent on God. Um, once you ask yourself, who do you trust for, for living and for doing, for, for, for how you view the world, what you think it is, what makes sense of it, and for what you're supposed to do, how you live, the choices you make, the actions that you take. Uh, who, do you, who do you look to for that? Where do you look to for, for wisdom and for power, to put it that way? Um, right? Because wisdom is uh, understanding how to live well, uh, how to function well, successfully, prosperously uh, in the world, knowing the way that it works and what your role within it is. That's wisdom. Uh, power is just the, the ability to... Whatever, control, uh, do, uh, um, uh, produce things to succeed. Who do, you, who do you look to? Who do you trust? Um, right, maybe to a certain extent, uh, the university. Right, you're here. You're here to get an education. You're like, Florida State, you better know something that I don't know about, about the world, the way it works, and what I'm supposed to do, because that's why you're paying out money, right? Um, is to be taught these things, and it'd be shown something that's going to that's gonna help in your future and what you're doing. Um, maybe at least a certain extent that that's there. Um, and maybe maybe some of you look to your parents. You're like, my parents have always spoken into me. They've given me advice. They kind of under. They've been through things I haven't been through, and they're able to uh, give me advice some ways. Others, you were like, my parents are the last people uh, that I'm going to ask for advice um, or let in on my life. Um, uh, maybe maybe for some of you, it's it's a certain political party or certain uh, political uh, set of uh, values, a platform. Maybe it's the government that you're looking to, or, or maybe it's not the government at all uh, that you think is going to make the world work well for you. Um, maybe it's your friends, um, your peers that understand you, understand the way uh, you work, the way things are going to go forward from here, your generation. Uh, maybe you think about all those things and you're like, no, no, no. Uh, and part of what you trust in is yourself. Like, I can listen to everyone else's opinion, uh, but it's what I think, how I think it's going to work out, and what I think I'm able to do is that's what I'm resting in. Um, can you really choose your own destiny? To what extent? what extent can you even control the choices that you get to make? Do you have the ability to succeed? Uh, even with all the obstacles that life may throw at you. When you hear a claim like this passage, and a claim that the Bible, of God, the way the Bible talks about him, as being the God of all wisdom and might, that it all belongs to him, it can feel like, ah, there's no way of escape. If that's really who he is, then he can hem me in all around, and I've got no way to get out of it. Um, we're just left up to God in that way. What does he want to do with this? 
and I know that fear. I know that, like, that desire of how do we escape from that? What, what is this doing to us? What does God's control mean for, for how we're living? And it feels like there's no escape. But I want you to see the way the passage puts it is a very different sense. It's not that there's no escape if we're not in control. It's, it's instead what you're seeing in this passage is that the only way of escape is actually by God's wisdom and God's power. Uh, and Daniel, as he's reflecting that, it's him depending on God's power and God's wisdom uh, that brings about uh, a success, escape, a rescue, not only for himself, uh, for all the wise men, uh, and really, as it points well beyond that, to God's rescue of humanity and his son. Wisdom and power. Um, and I, what I want us to do is just kind of see how that unfolds uh, in the narrative in two parts. There's a two-part basic contrast uh, going on in the passage between uh, the Babylonian wise men and Nebuchadnezzar and then between God's power and Daniel, uh, his servant. So two parts of it. The first one's this, the limits of power and wisdom, uh, and particularly the limits of human uh, wisdom and power. Now, no, we don't really like to think about limits so much, right? Limits are just annoying, and they get in the way. I don't like speed limits. I don't like other things that are limiting our freedom or what we want to do. Um, much more like, like what we're told is go after your dreams, right? I wish we were told, like, go as fast as you want on the highway. But you are, you're, told, uh, you're told go after your dreams. What you can think of and what you want to make your life for, pursue that, go after it. You're, you can make it happen. You can do it. And that's, that's great. There's a lot of like, wonderful values in that to pursue things that are good and give yourself uh, into that. But there are certain limits, right? Um, like if, if you decide, man, I want to be an astronaut. Right, that's, maybe that's great, but there's like how many astronauts that actually ever go into space? Maybe that could be some of you. Maybe you're going to be the next astronaut. Pursue your dreams. Go for it, right? right. Um, but at least some of us would need to be told... Um, no, you need to, like, maybe if you want to work for NASA, that could still be an option for you, maybe, uh, but you're not going to be uh, one of the astronauts. Um, or, uh, or like a friend of mine uh, several years ago uh, pursuing being a history professor. He'd gone through the history grad program here, uh, and after a while, he said, he took up the mantra, um, go find another job. Um, to, to other people in his apartment because he had gotten to the end of his program and this guy was impressive. Like he had he had been over to uh, uh, to the Netherlands. He'd already had some things published, like a book published, several articles, and he was getting out there and, and interviewing for jobs. And what he found was people who had already done postdocs were getting all those jobs, and he he was like in the top tier, wasn't finding anything. Uh, and there was tons of people in his program. Um, and he started saying, "Listen, if you're not realizing that you're in the top of what that's able to do." At least come up with a backup plan. Uh, there's gonna, you're going to reach limits of just how many jobs are out there, how many positions are open, of, of what you're able to do. Um, y'all know I like to take a class every semester at FSU, kind of work the system and stuff. Uh, so this semester I'm taking a weightlifting class. Um, and uh, yeah, there's nothing like a weightlifting uh, to, to bring you to your limits, right? Uh, maxing out. I remember the first, like, when I was back in high school and finally, like, got in the weight room and, like, started to figure out what that was because I was all scrawny. Um, and, like, it was crazy to me that you can, like, lift weights and you can do it, like, two times, three times, and then, like, you go a few more times and then eventually, like, what you just could lift, now you can't lift it. Your arms just, like, stop. And you're, like, as hard as you can, you know, like, nothing is happening. And you keep doing that long enough, it starts to go the other direction. 
Uh, like you, you reach a physical limit to it. Um, it's there. It exists. Um, uh, in college, one year I had to take a, uh, a modern logic uh, class, which to me was like a lot of fun. Uh, I was a philosophy guy. Kind of, it's kind of like a uh, like a high level math class or something. Um, but I got to one point in this class where there's some problems that the professor was putting up for us, and I was working on it. And I came and talked to him. I was like, "All right, here's this thing. Uh, here, here's how far I've gotten. What am I supposed to do from here?" And he's like, "It's like, yeah, well, it looks like you're kind of thinking about it. You know, well, just kind of keep working at it." I'm like. What am I supposed to do? He's like, honestly, at this level, like some people, it starts to click for them and they get it, and then sometimes it just it just doesn't. So you know, you're on a good start, and it's fine if you don't ever get there to making it sense. Just just kind of keep working at it. And I was like, oh, like I had hit my intellectual limit. I didn't know like what that was before, and then there it was, right? Um, uh, you can make the connection: limits of wisdom and limits of power, right? They're there in our life of what we can experience. Uh, this narrative for us is bringing out the limits of human wisdom and human uh, power, and we're first seeing it in the limits of the failure of the Babylonian wise men, right? Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, this deeply troubling dream, and as he wakes up, it's nightmarish. Uh, he can't sleep from it. He's consumed with it, and he calls in all the wise men, right? List them out. The magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerer, the Chaldeans, all summoned to tell the king uh, his dream. Right, the, now the whole existence of this collection of people that are being named off is, is to understand, understand the world in order to give counsel for what should be done. Um, and, and dreams and its interpretation are one of their specialties. Right? Even archaeologically, they found uh, uh, books and documents that are kind of like handbooks of interpreting dreams and what all they can mean. This was like, this was their stuff. Right? He was calling in the right people. If anyone knows, these are the people that know, and he, he brings them in. And Nebuchadnezzar wants them to tell him his dream and his interpretation. It's kind of difficult to know whether, whether the main thing is Nebuchadnezzar doesn't trust them. He's like, you're just going to keep telling me stuff. If you tell me the dream, then I know that I can trust you to, when you tell me his interpretation. But you might just be making something up. So maybe it's that he doesn't uh, trust them, that he wants them to tell him the dream as well. Um, or maybe that he can't fully recall it. You know, some dreams you wake up from and they're unsettling, you have certain images of, but it doesn't like all fit together. And you're, you're wanting someone to tell you what was this you just experienced. The wise men are like, okay, all right, tell us the dream. We got you. Go ahead. And he's like, no, you go ahead. Uh, I want you to tell me what it was and what it means. And they're like, what, what was? Uh, what it was, it was, right? He just goes around like, no, you've got to tell us something for us to do anything with it. And he's like, no, if you know, uh, if you're able to do anything, you tell me. And, and you've got to get the scenario. Their success or their failure uh, depends on their answer. Here is, here's the great, greatest collection of human wisdom for this kind of thing uh, on the planet at the time. The questions put before them, do you have the wisdom to answer this? Success comes, uh, rewards, honor, all these things, or else... You could be torn limb from limb, right? And your house is laid in ruins. That's what, that's what hangs in the balance for it. What happens? They flat out admit their limit. They say, we can't do that. We don't have that wisdom. We can't make known to you what you're, what you're asking. It's fascinating to hear the way they say it. Verses uh, um, 10 and 11. Chaldeans answered the king and said, there's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has ever asked any has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the kings ask is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Like no one can tell you this. Only the gods could even know, and they don't tell us this, that kind of thing. Um, 
To which Nebuchadnezzar is extremely furious. He's like, all right, if that's the limits of your wisdom, then I've got no need of you. Uh, this is the test. This is what brings us out. If you've reached the limits, then, then what the narrative is showing you, um, right, he, he decrees an utter destruction. Right? All the wise men of Babylon are going to be destroyed. This is the way that the narrative is playing this out. What it's showing you is the utter failure of human wisdom. It's great to a point. It's great all these different things that it can show and do and lead to, uh, but there comes to a point where it reaches its limits, and here on this stream is where they fail. The greatest collection of minds, the greatest learning in the ancient world, be like a gathering of all the different FSU profs from all the different apartments, like a certain question put to them. Where's the answer? Or essentially, this is kind of like the cabinet of the government. So you can imagine the cabinets of some of the greatest governments in the world being brought together from any country, and they're stumped. Can't give the answer, can't say anything. And Nebuchadnezzar's reaction is, if you can't tell me this, there's no point in your existence. This is what it all comes down to. And he's, he's not far off because the dream is about ultimate wisdom and power. It's, a, it's about where it all comes together. We'll see that. First, the limits of the Babylonian uh, wise men, but also the limits of power in Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar and the, the other kingdoms, all, all under the limits of human wisdom. Um, why do you think this dream was so troubling to Nebuchadnezzar? After kind of processing what the dream's about, who Nebuchadnezzar is, this was a deeply troubling dream to him. Like the, the, the kind of reaction he's having is, if you can't tell me this, kill all of you. This is what matters. Um, right? Like, it's just a dream, dude. Chill. Everybody's had nightmares, okay? You wake up, you're scared for a little bit, let it pass, move on, it's going to be all right. Um, he's deeply troubled. He goes into a rampage. He's ready to destroy his, his cabinet, right? People that he's gathered from all over the different kingdoms uh, to give him this wisdom. Um, listen, Nebuchadnezzar was the, essentially the most powerful person on the planet uh, at that time. Right, and trying to look at the Babylonian Empire in its world, in its circumstances, in all its surroundings. He is the most powerful uh, person, and so this dream presses at his deepest fear that that power is going to slip away, that he can't hold it all together, that he doesn't have the power to sustain it. Uh, it'll slip away and be destroyed. The dream presses on his deepest fear, essentially the disintegration of his power. Right, remember the dream. He's dreaming, and there's this huge statue, uh, huge statue, uh, tall, it's bright, it's gleaming, um, gleaming metals, um, and it's ominously looking down. It's terrifying, it says, to look at. Um, and the head of this thing is gold, bright, gleaming gold. The chest uh, is shining uh, silver. The, the waist is bronze. The legs are of iron. As you look down at the feet, it's iron mixed in with clay. And then as you're looking at this frightening image, suddenly this rock, without anything cutting it out, is, is brought out of, the, out, of the, uh, out of the rock. And this stone slams into the feet of the, of the statue. And it breaks. And it begins to crumble. And all of it uh, breaks and shatters into pieces. The gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, all of it shatters into little pieces, almost just disintegrates into dust. That as the wind comes, is blown away. And that stone begins growing and growing into a great mountain that fills the whole land. 
That's his image. That's his dream. That's what, that's what shakes him uh, up. Uh, and we're told that the parts of the, of the statue are four kingdoms that start with Nebuchadnezzar as the greatest. Uh, the Babylonian Empire. Uh, that's, the, that's the head of gold. You, it's like the, it's the best compliment uh, ever. And, and what is it, verse, uh, um, I think it's verse 39, um, where he says to, uh, he says, yeah, verse 37, uh, you, O king, the king of kings, Right? It's like this big compliment. The one to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts, the birds, making you rule over them all. You're the head of gold. He packs in all this stuff, and he's like, God gave that to you. Right? Your power is ultimately uh, derived. Um, but he starts with Nebuchadnezzar, the greatest of the Babylonian empire. Then you have these, uh, uh, the second kingdom, uh, this third, the second kingdom of silver, this third kingdom of bronze, this fourth kingdom of, of iron, and iron mixed with clay. Um, it seems, I don't want to say we have to go all the way here, but I think it seems, especially when you're connecting this with chapter 7, uh, that there's kingdoms that follow the Babylonian Empire. So there's the Babylonian Empire, and it was uh, succeeded by and taken over by the Medo-Persian Empire. Uh, after that, historically, is the Greek Empire, Alexander the Great. Uh, and then following that is the Roman uh, Empire. Those seem to be the four uh, kingdoms. Essentially, the great world powers of the next 600 years is what he's kind of like revealing to Nebuchadnezzar uh, in his dream. Uh, and when they're struck by the stone, they all become nothing. The, the stone, the rock, is God's kingdom, right? Uh, but, but in other words, the point is human power in some of its, some of its greatest expressions reaches its limits, Against the stone. Human, human kingdoms have no power against God's kingdom. Uh, Daniel says this dream is certain. His interpretation is sure. It's a prophetic dream of what would take place. Uh, we can see those uh, kingdoms now. We can see uh, God's kingdom now. We'll go into that more. Um, but look, the, the limits. The limits are reached. The limits of wisdom are the limits of human power. Uh, and the limits still remain. It's tested historically. It's true now. Uh, it makes sense that we don't like limits, um, right? Where do those limits lead to? To the wise men, their limits lead to the decree for their destruction. For Nebuchadnezzar, the limits of human power means looks like disintegration. Um, it doesn't it doesn't work well. There's a contrast in the passage between the limits of wisdom and power and the extent. Of wisdom and power, the limits of human wisdom and power, and the extent of divine wisdom and power. The whole point of the passage and the contrast of it is to exalt uh, God's wisdom and power over all human power and wisdom. Uh, essentially, the, the victory and the success of God's kingdom and God's servants is shown versus the failure of Nebuchadnezzar uh, and his wise men. Um, We've already set a lot of this up in the dream, so we can just uh, move move into it. Listen, you see the success of God's power in the stone, uh, in that rock um, that was cut out without human hands. Right? This is not a this this is something that doesn't have its origin from people or or in people. It's cut out without human's hands. It strikes uh, the image, destroys it, and it grows to greater than all those things. Right? Great mountain filling all the earth. Um, now, listen, this is already from other scripture at the time, uh, giving the echoes to us um, of, of it being God's kingdom. Right? Just some things that have already been said. You can look over uh, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. I'll read for you. Um, 
um, talks about this, this mountain of God and what it is as God's kingdom. He says, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest uh, uh, shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above all the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And it goes on to speak, uh, speak more uh, of it. Um, that this is, this is God's kingdom being set up that is actually the, for the rescue of humanity. Uh, that all the nations shall flow uh, into it. It's, it's speaking of God's big plan of all of history. That this is what's going on. Uh, God setting up his kingdom uh, that, that all things are leading to. Uh, uh, it's mentioned again in, uh, in Micah uh, chapter 4 verse 1. Same kind of thing. Um, you can hear these echoes of God's power. Some uh, even go to Psalm 2. And it talks about the, the kings of the earth. God's power and, and human power. The kings of the earth are setting themselves together against the Lord and against his anointed. Um, against the Christ and against God. Uh, and it says the king of heaven sits in heaven and laughs. It's like, really? Like we're like throwing stones at God. Right? It's like, what, what's that going to do? Uh, and it ends with this phrase, kiss the son lest he be angry. Uh, this is where the power is. Come under his power. That's where there's hope and rescue um, uh, in him. Listen, don't, don't miss the identity of the stone. Um, putting this together in the rest of, rest of scripture. The stone that the builders rejected as the one that becomes the chief uh, cornerstone. It's in uh, 1 Peter. It's quoted uh, from the Old Testament. We, we had it up here a little bit earlier. Um, the, king of, the king of God's kingdom is who? It's the Christ. The anointed king of God's people is, G, is the Lord Jesus Christ uh, himself. This is a prophetic dream of the Lord of history, of what God was doing and what he was bringing about. This is Jesus who, Scripture tells us, is not of human origin. Not cut out from, from human origin. He was, he was born during that fourth kingdom, uh, during, during the Roman Empire, uh, at least. Um, and, uh, and Jesus called out to people, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Stop trusting in human power and wisdom and look to me. Um, <clears throat> Jesus says in John 18, my kingdom is, is not of this world. It says in Matthew 16 of his, of his kingdom, of his church, uh, that the gates of hell aren't able to stand against it. Uh, scripture various places describes that as an eternal, permanent, lasting a kingdom. The way it's described here um, in Daniel as well. Um, <clears throat> the stone is Christ. He is that wisdom and power. And we see the success of God's power in that. Um, but as we look through the rest of Scripture's revelation, how does God bring about the extent of success? How does He, how does he bring about this perfect display of God's wisdom and power? Uh, but ultimately in the death of His Son, uh, in the death of the King of the Kingdom, um, in the death of Jesus and in His resurrection power, that's where our hope and our confidence is. Right? When we look at our limits, it's what it's leading us to. Just like the, if, we, if we can't answer the ultimate questions, uh, we fail. That's the presentation. That's the, that's the wise man. If they can't answer the ultimate question, there's the decree for execution. Uh, therefore, Nebuchadnezzar, if he can't hold it together in his power and make this thing go, then there's ultimate disintegration that's coming. 
Um, uh, before God, if we, we don't have the answers to say, God, we know how life works. We've done well. We've done right. We've followed what you've wanted. We're worthwhile. We don't have those answers. We reach the limits of our moral failure, of our intellectual understanding, of anything that God will require of us. Um, what we deserve is, 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 is judgment. And, and God sent his son to step into that place of judgment. So instead of us being destroyed, he's destroyed. And by God's power, raised to life. That we get to have life in him and hope in him, him stepping in our place. That's God's wisdom and power. The scripture says is seems like fully, uh, seems like madness. Uh, but God's, uh, what God's wisdom brings about. You see, it becomes the only way of escape. That's our own wisdom, our own power. We don't have a way of escape. And it's, it's weird to go God over all these things. But what God brings about by his wisdom and his power is a way of hope, a way of escape, a way for us to rest in what he does. That's what we see in Daniel. That's where Daniel's success comes from. Right? I mean, the passage starts with this offer to the wise men. Uh, you can either be torn from limb to limb or I'll reward you with all these things. They can't do it. They're facing torn from the limb. Daniel comes in, and right, what does what does the passage end up with? He's like the next in charge in Babylon, and his friends are like ruling over the the outer parts of the uh, of the of the surrounding empire. Uh, Daniel gets that success, but but what he says about himself is it's not not of any great thing in him. He's an example of relying solely on God's wisdom and God's power. Um. Daniel, as soon as he hears this, what does he do? He goes and prays and calls his friends to pray that God would reveal it. When he's speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, what does he say? There's nothing in me that I'm wiser than than other men, that I should know it. But God's chosen to reveal it. And so I'm speaking it to you. That's the fact that, that he lowers himself and rests, not in any power of his own, but in God, that he gets exalted. This is Christ lowers himself, not taking, not setting up a kingdom by his power, um, but by being punished and being raised up by God. And that's how scripture calls for believers uh, to live, uh, following Christ in that humility, not taking up, here's our power, here's what we're going to take the world or make these things happen, or here's our good or our strength or our power or our wisdom, but saying, I'm all screwed up, but what does God say? I'm not, a, I'm not a moral good person, but, but I see what Jesus has done. And that's what stands for me. I can't produce a hope, a salvation, a rescue myself, but he has done it for me. It's encouragement for us to rest in God's wisdom and God's power to look to what he's revealed, uh, which is Christ. I can still be really disconcerting if all wisdom and all power, the scripture says, are derived from him. I don't know that I'm, a lot of times I'm not comfortable with that. Uh, I understand that a lot of times you're not comfortable with that. I want you to at least hear the way that the passage is saying, that's actually our hope. Uh, that we can't get ourselves even out of the mess that we've made for ourselves. Uh, but God has made a way for us. Uh, just listen to what he says about uh, his son, about the gospel in 1 Corinthians uh, 1. I'll close with this. He says, Jews demand a sign and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ... Crucified, 
stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But those to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men.